to the Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Hey guys, I think you're really going to enjoy today's podcast. We're beginning our special education series with an interview with Dr. Sandy Robinson, Master Trainer and International Training Coordinator of the Champions Club. Dr. Sandy shares with us some great insights for parents looking to advocate for their child in the IEP process, as well as their own family's personal journey with special needs and mental health. Thanks for listening. Hi, Dr. Sandy. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Well, I'm so excited to be here with you, Kristen and Eric, and I just uh, just want to bless you guys for doing your nonprofit to help families with children with special needs all over the nation. God bless you guys. It's a privilege to be here. Well, thanks so much, Sandy. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Well, I have been an educator, administrator, school psychologist, uh, director of special ed in the public school system for 34 years. Uh, So I've had a lot of experience with um, individuals with special needs and their beautiful families. I earned a PhD, I have master's in special education, earned a PhD um, in educational leadership and policy, policy studies from the University of California, Riverside. Uh, I was, I've had the privilege of training many different groups of individuals, administration, parents, churches in the areas of uh, special ed law, positive behavior techniques, learning strategies, resilience. One of my greatest joys, though, is being an advocate for families struggling to obtain appropriate services for their children with special needs. I co-wrote the first full full-scale curriculum for special needs ministries with Pastor Craig Johnson, and we also developed a, a devotional. And then, then God allowed me to develop the first Champions Club, which is a special needs ministry outside of Lakewood and the first one on African soil. I am married to the love of my life. Rob Robinson, who leads uh, Freedom for Men Ministry out of Lakewood Church. We have two amazing daughters, one with special needs. I think we all have special needs, but I'll just say that. And a wonderful granddaughter, Abby, just like your beautiful uh, daughter's name, and one on the way in August. And I want to tell you, most of all, that I am a believer in the hope of Jesus Christ. And I accepted him as a young child. And I am a mental health advocate for families, individuals struggling with their mental health issues. Mm, That's fabulous. Sandy, what are the qualities of an effective advocate? Well, if we, those of us who have children Uh, teens, adults with special needs, we know the power of being an effective advocate to get 
them the service and supports that they need so that they can meet their goals and objectives, become independent and fulfill their destiny. So to, to it's so important that we have certain qualities to be an effective advocate. So the first one and the most important one is to pray, to ask God for wisdom and guidance because the system that we're operating in has rules and policies and procedures that we may not know anything about. They have a language that they speak that is completely foreign to us. So in any situation, I go to God. And secondly, I think it's really important for advocates to listen to listen to what our teachers are telling us, administration is saying, but most important is to listen to our children. What are our children telling us about what their needs are and what their wants are? That's important. Next, it's important to have a focus on long-term goals. You know, we're always talking about, well, this year I want my child to do this and this and this. And I always ask parents, but 15 years down the road, what is your vision? What is your dream for your child? Let's shoot for that while we're working on the day-to-day. And then it's really important. You got to be informed. And I... I'll say this in a tongue-in-cheek way. We can't win at a game that we don't know the rules. And IEPs and and school environments, it's not a game for us, but essentially you're in an environment that's new. So you want to be able to get the rule book and follow it so you can access what you need. Also, collaboration. I've been in IEPs as a director on the other side of the table and a parent comes in and they're already angry. And the first thing they say is, I don't understand what your problem is. I've had that so many times. What this district's problem? Collaboration. It is our goal as an effective advocate for our children to be pleasant To be seen as someone, the first thing out of my mouth in any IEP is thanking every individual for working with my child, for doing their best. I'll just speak it right now. Thank you for doing your best as you teach my child. That's important. But being willing to work as a team member. And then, of course, resilience. You got to have the ability to bounce back from a setback. Absolutely. Oh, I love what you're saying about listening and especially to your child's needs. And then just that collaboration, because, um, that's truly what's going to make it an effective advocacy. Love that. So Sandy, why is our perspective and attitude regarding our kids, teens, and adults with special needs so crucial to being an effective advocate? Well, you know what? You guys could probably answer this as well as I can. And that's why I love the name of your organization, Hope on the Hard Road, because it's all about perspective. When initially we get that diagnosis, I don't know about you, but 
after I cried my eyes out, my next phase was, why me? I didn't sign up for this. I cannot believe that this is my life. What did I do wrong? What happened? What did I drink during pregnancy? Did I have too many soda? I mean, all these crazy things go through your mind. And am I being punished? I mean, I'm just going to be real with you. It has been a hard road and I got a 28 year old. Okay. And it continues. I mean, it's an ebb and a flow. You have those wonderful periods of blessing and you look at your child, you go, wow, the progress she's making. And then you hit a wall and you feel like you're back to square one and you're going, how did we get back all the way back here? And so I think perspective is really important. And I think we need what I need. I'm going to speak about just myself here because maybe it's not anyone else. But for me, I had anger and sometimes I still do resentment and jealousy. You know, I love social media because I can I do a lot of mental health stuff. So I'm able to post things I think are positive. But if I got to see someone else's vacation pictures from wherever they went with their beautiful family and um, all the great things and their kid just graduated from Princeton. Okay, excuse me. Sometimes I got to check myself because my child is not going to go to Princeton, but she is going to fulfill the destiny that God has for her. She's going to fulfill the two greatest commandments, and that's to love God and to love others. And if we've taught her nothing else, she will do that. And that's the that's the reason why we're here and she'll fulfill it. So let me not get twisted up in what the world values, but let me look at what God values. And let me say that my husband and I, through the help of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, have been able to teach our kid how valued she is in the kingdom and that she loves the Lord and then she ministers to others through his love. And that, that is what matters. So I think perspective, if I say nothing else, is the most important thing to being a good advocate. It is not poor me and I didn't sign up for this, is I get to do this. And God has given me this reward. Our child is our reward. Let me see them as a reward. And then in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for humans. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward as it is in the Lord Jesus for your service. And so whatever we're giving, whatever we've been given, a child with cerebral palsy, a child who is nonverbal, a child who's developmental delayed, a child who has such severe mental health issues, sometimes she can't get out of bed. Let me do my job well and finish my race and let me do it with God's grace. And that is my perspective. And that's how I keep going on the hard road. Absolutely. And I so identify with that. That is exactly where this nonprofit came from was our journey. And in particular, my journey with having a faith crisis of believing that 
where did this come from? Why me? What, why, why my daughter and coming out the other side and realizing this is going to be a hard road, but there is hope because there's hope in Christ. So Sandy, why is it important to focus on long-term goals for your child when you're advocating? Well, we touched on this a little bit. Um, and I had a situation recently um, that really brought it back around for me. So I was talking to a parent and her child's 15 and her child uh, is getting private services at a private place because, and the school district's paying for it because she wants her child to be able to read at her reading level. Right now she's reading at a second grade reading level. And she had been going to this private agency for a year. And they retested her at the district. And she's still reading at the second grade reading level. So I asked the mom, what is your dream? What is your goal? What do you want for your child? Well, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to see if she could maybe be employed. I'd like her to be able to wash her clothes, cook herself a meal, and I'd like her to have friends. Okay, mom, dad, why is she isolated at this one place for seven hours trying to learn how to read and you will not allow her to go to the local high school and be part of clubs, take cooking classes or art classes, develop friendships, be part of the high school scene in whatever way she can. Why aren't you blessing the high school with your kid? Because it's not only about what can you do for my kid, but what can my kid do for the world? Because the world, I love, one of my mothers always says this, her son's name is, is Jake. And she goes, Jake needs the world, but the world needs Jake. So it goes both ways, right? So that's why it's so important when I, when I speak to parents, you know, sometimes they can't even tell me what their dream for their child is. That we get so stuck on, they've got to, they've got to be able to do handwriting. I just want, you, let them use a computer. And, and as far as reading, they have all this technology that'll read the stuff for them. I mean, I mean, let's just focus on what it really matters to you and, and to your family. What are your goals? That's fabulous. That, that is literally what we have done this last year with our own daughter is to transition into what can technology do to support her with where she's at and what her desires are. Love that. Um, why is it so essential to be informed and educated regarding the IEP process? And what resources are there available for us? Well, you know, if you've ever played the game of chess, it's kind of complicated, right? And you just can't sit down at a chessboard and start moving pieces around because there's rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. So same thing with an IEP process. There are policies and procedures that are established by the federal government first, then the state government, and then your district has, they must comply with the law, but also districts kind of have their own uh, spin on certain things. And so how are we going to be effective advocates? How are we going to win at the game of chess when we don't know what the pieces are called, 
and how they move. And IEPs are not games. I, that's not what I'm saying. But in anything we do in life, we know the more information that we have, the better we are able to reach our end goal. And for all of us, the end goal is to have our children be developed at the highest level so that they can be independent to fulfill their destiny, right? So there's so many resources available for parents out there. If you go on the internet, uh, and you Google in IEP procedures, there are many websites that you can go to to get the information. But the websites that I like best are the ones generated by state departments and special ed district sites and sites called SELPAs or local planning areas. Now, not every state has SELPAs, but I know in California we did. So it's important, some of the things you want to make sure that you understand are your procedure safeguards. Now, you know, you've, I've been in so many meetings, I think it was over uh, 250 IEP meetings in, in my career and I keep, I keep going to them, but the first thing they always say in a meeting after everyone signs is, have you received a copy of your procedure safeguards? And the parent says, yes. And um, would you like another copy? No. But what I would like to say is, and do you understand your those procedures? Because parents rarely do. And, and that's okay. You know, you don't have time to read um, 50 pages of, you know, whatever they give you. But essentially you have, that gives you, that's your playbook. The procedure safeguards is your playbook. So if you never read the playbook, it's going to be difficult for you to navigate the system. So I highly encourage you, the first place to go to as a great resource is your procedure safeguards. Dust those off, find a copy of those. Maybe they're on the bathroom. Maybe you wanted to redecorate your bathroom with the wallpaper <laughs> of them. So rip them off the bathroom wall and start reading them, all right? And the next part is, once again, there's an Office of Civil Rights for the U.S. Government of Education. They have a great website. Also, they have, um, I love they have a parent center hub operated from the Office of Special Education, or it's called OSEP. I go there often for information and it's accurate and it's from the State Department. And they have um, the OSEP also has parent training and information centers. They'll let you know where they are. And you know, they actually provide training for parents for the IEP process and the IDEA Act, Individuals um, of Disability Education Act. And so they can actually help you how to understand your child's disability and their needs, communicate effectively with personnel responsible for providing the related services, how to participate in the decision-making process, and they can provide appropriate information about the range of options and programs and services and resources available to assist your child. 
Um, so that that those are important resources for you as parents to have that are right at your fingertips. Things that you can grab hold of today to start to build your advocacy muscles. That's right. Oh my goodness. That's some great information. Um, we're going to also be making all of that available on the show notes afterwards. Why is resilience and tenacity so important in being an effective advocate for your child? Well, you would probably agree with me that resilience should be our middle name. If we are parents of adults with special ed, because I don't know about you, but just at the point of diagnosis to have to process that and get up this day and keep moving forward, that is resilient. So we know how to be resilient. And resilience, of course, is that bounce back from adverse circumstances. It is the ability to bend and not break when you have to deal with the day-to-day -day life of having a child with special needs. So why it is so important is because while we're doing all these other things, our daily life skills, we need to be also resilient in the IEP process. And I love in the Bible when David prays before he goes to battle, God, do we go up? Will you give us the victory? And I think for me, that's part of being resilient because I don't need to fight for everything. And I need that wisdom and that clarification from God. Do I go up and do battle? And are you with me? Right. And in the times that we've had to fight for our daughter for services and things, sometimes I get in a mode where all I do is fight. I fight with everybody and everyone because I feel like, no, we're not going to get what we need unless we fight. But there are times where I need to be directed by God and I need to look at my priorities. I need to have them straight. Once again, I need to speak to my children, speak to people who support us, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how important is this service? Does it serve the long-term needs of my child? Because we've got to save some of our energy for the bigger battles. And I think that's my struggle sometimes is I want to fight all the time. But wisdom says you have your priorities. So if it's the speech services that I feel after I've done my research that my kid really needs or OT, I'm going to fight for that and maybe ease up on something else. I just think it's so important with that resilience and tenacity that we link that to our priorities, which are essentially our long-term goals. Absolutely. You know, I so identify with that. Um, Eric often will say, you know, you're in fight mode and moms, don't we go into that? I mean, we just want to fight for our kids. It's just innate in us. And so I love this perspective of the resilience along with the tenacity and being able to, um, give that into God's hands and, and trust that he has the plans for us. Right. So Sandy, how does our mental health affect our ability to be good advocates for our kids? Cause I know mental health is such a big issue right now. And, um, or at least it has come to light for all of us. 
Well, I think mental health is front and center right now in a lot of different platforms. So I know that churches, a lot of churches have contacted me and um, I was able to, able to give my testimony at a, a pretty large church recently because I do battle and have battled and probably will continue to battle with mental health issues. And I'll just like be transparent um, during the whole 10 years, the rough years that we that we struggled as a family with my daughter's diagnosis, I was also diagnosed as bipolar general anxiety disorder. And um, so I so like now I have special needs. My daughter has special needs. That's like a double whammy. But that really opened my eyes to understanding the process that I was going through. And it's kind of like when you're on the airplane and you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then you put it on a child. When we are battling with special needs ourselves, so mental health issues, anxiety, depression, we're not sleeping, constant fatigue, we are grieving, we are stressed. And these things affect our daily functionality as parents. I think we need to take a moment or maybe more than a moment and start to look at um, what is going on with ourselves because we really can't meet the needs of our children if our own physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional needs are not being met. And it sounds selfish, right? It sounds selfish like, hey, I need to step back. I need to go to the doctor. I need to get a physical. Is everything checking out? Okay, well, I'm still depressed. I can't get out of bed. I can't stop crying. Um, so let me then go to maybe a psychiatrist and, and see if I need some medication. Let me, so that's what I've done. I'm still on medication, been on it since my diagnosis, which has been 16 years. And then also I go to talk therapy. I believe in therapy. At one point, every single family member was in therapy of my family. And we've been in and out of therapy for decades. I've been in and out for decades. And that has really given me a good perspective. And so anxiety also is very transparent in a lot of our children who are on the spectrum. They say 40% of our children on the spectrum also struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we may be meeting their needs um, and getting the services they need to take care of their educational, vocational, uh, daily living skills. But what are we doing to address their anxiety? Because it's a whole nother realm of understanding and supports and services. So I wanted just to talk a minute, if I could, about how I manage my mental health diagnosis and also being a wife, a professional, and having a child who struggles with her own mental health diagnosis. I think that essentially when we are parents of individuals with special needs, they have their diagnosis and then when I receive mine, and I was displaying symptoms of bipolar, 
and general anxiety years before I was diagnosed. I just thought, you know, and when I was diagnosed, I thought, well, this is not true. I just have like a broken brain. I, I mean, I don't have a broken brain. I probably just need to take more vitamin C. So it's that accepting the diagnosis. And what I did uh, before I knew about the diagnosis, and even in the early stages, is I disconnected and I isolated because it was so hard to receive. And I was trying to process it. And I felt like since I was like coming apart of the seams, I didn't want to hurt others. So I isolated. I isolated from God, from anyone outside of the family. I would just go to work, do my job, come home. Well, we know now isolation is the worst thing you can do if you are struggling with a mental health challenge. That the first thing that we need to do is to connect. So I have learned to take a time out. I put myself in time out. And the first one I connect to is my heavenly father. And I get alone with him. And I look at the word. And I choose to believe the truth of the words. And these are some of the things that I say to myself continuously as I time out with God. I accept God's love for me. And I do this by faith because I can't feel it. When I'm experiencing a mental health challenge, I do not feel loved from God at all. I don't know where God is. I feel like I am isolated, abandoned, and God doesn't care. But we know that what the scripture says, that he does love us, that God is love. And he sent his son while we were yet in sin to die for us. So there is a profound love that he has for us. And it doesn't matter, matter what state we're in. And then I accept that I'm broken and he loves me in my brokenness and he will use it to help others. I accept that he sees me and hears me always. And I accept that God's grace, his unmerited favor is all over my life and all over the lives of my children. I accept God's forgiveness for any sin that I committed. I forgive myself. This is the hardest one. I forgive myself for anything I did to stay safe, to stay alive, and to deal with my mental health challenges. Because we don't always make good choices when we are in a mental health crisis. In fact, we rarely do. We say things that hurt others. We do things that hurt others and ourselves. So I just accept that forgiveness. And then I accept that I, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I take the time to connect back to family and friends that I trust And I allow them to pray for me and pray over me. I tell them I'm struggling. And these are individuals that uh, don't give advice. I don't need you to tell me to eat more, uh, get out of bed. Why don't you take a jog? No, you you don't understand what my race is right now. I just need you to walk my sidelines. Just... Just listen to me, be empathetic, listen to me. And, you know, if you want to get me a meal, uh, help me with my kid, maybe do respite, whatever. 
but just be there. And as soon as I can, I look for ways to give back to these people who gave to me. And the last thing is what we're all about today is I serve. I serve when and where I can. So that's why I love you guys that you are doing exactly what we should do is look around and look for ways to lift others up. That's part of connecting to a community. It's just not about us. It's about the people around us. And I tell you, sometimes when we're suffering, all we do is think about our own pain. But it is a biblical principle that when we help others who are overcome with our own challenges are, and they're suffering, our own suffering is eased. Love that. And that's why I love Hope on the Hard Road. You just had so much wisdom there. I know with our own daughter, she definitely has a lot of anxiety and we've trained her over the years to uh, memorize verses and to pray and, and even just flat out, just cry out the name Jesus, just say Jesus. And it's amazing to watch how, you know, the Holy Spirit will intervene and, and calm her by knowing that God's with her knowing that God empowers her to be able to have peace of mind and, and doing those things is really, really, you know, helpful for her to be able to manage her mental health there too. Yeah, that's fantastic, Eric. That is exactly the right thing to do is, and then for anyone listening, you know, point your children to the creator who made them and created them perfectly. Mm-hmm. They were formed in the room. There's, you know, and people talk all the time about, oh, my kid's broken. No, 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 no. Your kid's perfect. And God loves them. And they need to feel that. That's part of her coping skills that you have taught her that will be with her for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. What a great gift you've given her as a dad and a mom. Oh, thanks, Sandy. So, you know, at the end of every podcast, one of the things we like to ask is what is one thing that you would like to share with our listeners to help encourage them and to bring hope for the road ahead? Philippians 4.13. I don't care what you're going through. Mm -hmm. You can do all things. Mm -hmm through Christ who strengthens you. And and that has been the verse and you hear it all the time, but I live it every day. And I just encourage our families, anyone listening to this podcast in the future, that you remember there is hope in Jesus Christ and you can do all things. He can strengthen your arms, strengthen your legs, strengthen your mind, give you peace, give you wisdom. He is the reason I am alive. He is the reason my daughter is alive. And that is all I got for you. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, just ask him into your heart today. Ask him to forgive you of any hurts that you've caused, any mistakes, any any time that you've put yourself before him. Ask him to come into your heart, give give you wisdom, give you strength to walk the hard road. Thank you so much, Sandy. This has been just beautiful and such wonderful insights. We just appreciate you so much for coming on today. And thank you guys for the, really the invitation. 
uh, it, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to walk along beside you even a little bit. And I just so admire the grace that the grace that I see in your walk. It's beautiful. Abby is very fortunate to have parents like you and, and God bless you. Thanks, Sandy. Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.